Hello, and welcome to Smashed Prawns in a Milky Basket, a podcast about the work of comedy writer, performer, director, and all-round genius, Julia Davis. I'm Sophie Davis, no relation, and on each episode, I'm joined by a guest to talk about a different show created by Julia Davis. This episode is about Nighty Night Series 2, and my guest is singer, songwriter, and podcaster, Tom Aspall. Uh, so I, I invited you on the podcast because you seem to be like one of Jill Tyrrell's biggest fans. <laughs> Was Nighty Night your, your introduction to Julia Davis? Yeah, series one, 2004. I was 18. I was uh, very impressionable. I love female fronted comedy like Smack the Pony, French and Saunders. That was always kind of thing was I was drawn to it. And then I think just on the off chance I watched... 99, maybe episode two or three. Mm-hmm. So I missed the beginning. So I didn't really understand what was happening, but I was just mesmerized by Julia and like the the way she's like evil, but also beautiful and all the, all these weird things. It was just like, it was like nothing else as well that was out there. But then also her sense of humor, like the, like the things she picks up on, like the hairdressers and things like that, the way she was cutting hair and stuff. It's so well observed. And it it's like, there are loads of people in my life who I could like pair each character with. So it was really straight away. I was like, whoa. Um, and then was obsessed with that. And luckily for us, the next series came out the year after. And that's the one we're going to be talking about. But. Yeah, it was quite a quick turnaround. Like series one was in January 2004. Yeah. And then series two was October 2005. So yeah. quite a quick turnaround, really. Apparently, she originally started writing it to be like a Christmas special. Yeah. And then it ended up becoming a whole series. Because there's so much to... There's yeah, so much material. <laughs> All the characters are back, really, apart from Terry, who has died. Yeah. Uh, and Gordon, the vicar, who's uh, in a coma in the first Cameo, episode. Cameo, coma. Yeah, and then he dies as well. This series mostly takes place in Cornwall. And apparently they were able to do that because they got a bit of money from the US. Um, oh. Series one aired in the US on a channel called Oxygen. Oh, yeah. And then they gave them a little bit of money towards series two and became a sort of production partner and then yeah. that enabled them to go somewhere a bit different and shoot in mm. Cornwall. Y- you've already told me you're, you feel like a little bit of a defender of I, series yeah, two. two. It, well, it is a bit divisive, isn't it, in comparison to series one? Well, when, when I first saw it, I was disappointed almost because the plotting of the first series is so tight mm-hmm. and it's got such um, replay value because you notice things. Like, for instance, I think it's episode two when Linda mentions Terry, you can see the fear in her eyes and yeah. you, you wouldn't have known that if you didn't get to the end. But it's like all these like amazing, subtle plot sort of techniques that she uses, they just go out of the window in series two and it's all about big set pieces, Mm -hmm. kind of gross out humor as well, which is hinted at in series one. And kind of the characters all change a little bit. I think some of the performances are turned up a bit, aren't they? Like, I I think Jill in particular, she's in series one, she's a bit more deadpan and her sort of default expression in series one is quite sort of gormless. Whereas in series two, she's a bit more deranged and she's got like a manic smile is sort of what she's like most of the time. I feel like she probably 
listened to what people were saying about it and what they loved about it and took those qualities and like amped it up. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, but then I, you could interpret that as her desperation because she keeps getting foiled when she's trying to get Don, basically. True. And yeah. so as it all fails in the first series... It's like this, the desperation, like in the first episode where she's trying to find his address, for instance, mm-hmm. in Sue's kitchen, that scene for me maybe kind of can explain the new deranged persona because it's like she'll just stop at nothing to, to get to him. And then in the second episode, when she finally gets to Cornwall, to the trees where Kath is having therapy. It all just that crescendo is just for her to meet Kath again and to like re-enter into their lives. And I think maybe that's what she was thinking when she was writing it is that actually this is about Jill just not giving a shit now. Literally just going like going for broke. Like Terry's dead. <laughs> like Gordon's dead. Let's just go for it. And it does actually just keeps it just keeps getting more and more extreme. Mm-hmm. Like how can I get Don Cole, like that line where it's like, I'll never leave a pregnant woman, like an alarm goes off in her head. Yeah. And, and then it just takes this dark t- like turn where she has to get pregnant. And then it's all building up to something. And then there's like a time jump in the last episode and suddenly Abigail's been born, mm-hmm. Kat's baby. And they're all living in this house together with Sue. And the last episode, it kind of all falls apart, but also... It goes a bit crazy, doesn't it? It's, yeah. it's like farce. Mm. And basically everybody dies. <laughs> well, Sue... Um, Kath gets taken away by Kath the police. Kath gets taken away by the police. Which is quite upsetting, because I do feel a little bit sorry for Kath I feel in the sorry whole for, thing. But Rebecca Front makes you kind of believe her, but also sort of root for her but also hate her and like yeah. think she deserves it in yeah. a way <laughs> I think she said that was quite a deliberate thing where they yeah. didn't want her to be like 100% victim yeah because you do find her quite annoying because she's just so kind of apologetic all yeah. the time like you know Jill is being awful and she is just kind of like there like apologising like oh sorry 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 and Constantly. it's like you should be standing up for yourself a bit more and that's kind of why cats you feel sorry for her but you're also like come on yeah Stand up for yourself. Gross balls. Kath's mm-hmm. subplot is her evacuation with Jacques, yeah. the the owner and the guy who runs the trees. And that, again, is sort of all symptomatic of her being a bit of a wet blanket, how she's not very assertive. But then it's so cruel and so twisted the way that when she does eventually make a move and um, sort of expresses her like desire for him, the way he kind of fobs her off and everything... Mm-hmm. It's so cruel and twisted. It's yeah. like, how can we like try and destroy this person? Yeah, he's with all these younger women. Yeah, and he, From the start, it's quite clear he's not really interested she in her. Uses, she uses that line that he he gave her, which don't <laughs> don't walk your dog muck all over my face. Like, oh, God. And he doesn't even seem to really remember that no. he's even said it. <laughs> I know. Poor Kath. It's oh, tragic. I, I could I, honestly... I think my favourite episode of Nighty Night across the whole two series is that episode, mm-hmm. the the party on the beach. Yeah. Because I think it sums up the whole thing. Kath and Don getting back together as well. I, find, mm-hmm. I find that, found that really satisfying. Yeah, yeah. And the outtakes of Jill like operating on what's her name the girl Natalie Natalie I think think that is definitely something that I can't imagine that happening in series one no series two is a bit crazier yeah more graphic like the whole thing with the vasectomy yeah 
But oh, I did. I had a little look online to see what people were saying about series two at the time, and there were a few forums where people were like arguing with each other about it. Mm. But a lot of the people who weren't enjoying it were saying that, oh, you know, series one it was so much more subtle, mm. and I think I don't think Nighty Night was ever really that subtle. No. And like, for example, one person said, oh, you know, it's gone too far now. Linda has killed someone while giving them a massage, and no one cares. Mm. And someone quite rightly responded and said well in series one she killed someone in the salon by yeah. wrapping them in cling film yeah. <laughs> there's no difference really like there no. are some moments that are quite extreme compared to what we saw in series one yeah but i think there are a lot of moments that are pretty much the same but people are sort of caught up in this oh it's gone too far yeah now. it's the way it's um portrayed i guess because I think in the first series, I think you question whether she'd left that woman dead or alive. Because I feel like you could still imagine that someone would come in and save her. Whereas with the roll-on, roll-off massage... You know that he's, he's dead. dead. <laughs> yeah. there, there's, I, I, um, as I was re-watching it this last week, I, there's, there's a death per episode. Yeah, there's quite a high body count. And yeah. like Floella just keeps Floella getting run over in pretty much every episode. Yeah, and... Karen Poole commits suicide. Sue dies in the last episode. No one dies in the penultimate one. That's like a weird... You know how in EastEnders they have those episodes where there's just two characters? Mm. The 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 fifth episode is literally just Sue, Don, Kath, and Jill. Yeah, I think so, and, and, and Linda's Arno. not in there, Linda's not know? in it, and it's all just about them... In that house, dealing with the news that Jill has lied to them and told them that she's pregnant. Yeah. And I think it's really well written. So let's let's get into the episodes. Yeah, let's go episode by episode. So episode one, this, it starts with Jill visiting Glenn, where he's been sort of incarcerated at bet, Battle <laughs> He's obviously survived, because at the end of series one, we didn't really know who had survived and yeah. who had died. Um, Linda was apparently dead. Yeah, Terry obviously has stayed dead. Linda's come back. Glenn, Glenn has survived eating the, uh, the, the Nana Choco Scotch. Yeah. But he says, oh, you know, they had to remove most of, most of my guts because of the poison, and apparently his memory is gone pretty yeah. much so which explains why he's still into jill because he doesn't actually remember what happened that night and she's convinced him that he killed terry yeah. and killed Gord- well put gordon in a coma yeah and she's still after his money yeah she says that she's a born again christian and yeah. she's like oh i spoke to jesus earlier and he said would you mind writing me out a little check or maybe i could get your <laughs> chip and pin chip and pin <laughs> she keeps going on about the chip and pin the chip and pin is so 2005 because yeah. i remember it was new technology at the time <laughs> she's high tech she's a modern woman and she's saying to him like oh you know it's much uh, worse for me than it is for you being locked up in here Mm. She tells him that they can only have sex if they get married. So yeah. then obviously he proposes. Yeah. And I love how like when he kneels down, he you sort just of... see his wig. Yeah, and he go, <laughs> he sort of goes out of sight and her and face, her face drops. Because yeah. she's just like, oh, for God's sake. So good. And then obviously she says yes because she wants his money. And he starts like rubbing himself against the glass. <laughs> masturbating like he's yeah. invisible. This is, I think, another performance that's been turned up a yeah. little bit, isn't it? Like he's more repulsive in this series, possibly. Yeah, there was a is. few bits in series one where he was sort of, she turned away and he sort of touched her boob. Once or twice, But yeah. here in series two, he's like constantly like groping her yeah. and thrusting against her. It's like an animal or something. Yeah. Like he's not even a man. We go to 
to Linda in her little caravan. Mm, Dennis. <laughs> yeah, we meet Dennis finally, who's... Um, the return of Mark Watton. Yeah, in a different part this time. I think when I was younger and I watched it, I didn't actually realise it was the same guy. Oh, I did. Because yeah. I was I was a massive fan of Mark Watton. Mm, yeah, I, I didn't know him. Shirley Ghostman. Yeah, well, it shows he's very, you know, he's good at playing these characters, really good, isn't yeah. it? Because I didn't realise it at first. He's disgusting as well. He like strides in and just mm. like shoves Linda's head yeah. like, into his crotch. Thank you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. She's just like, thank you, and just like carries on eating after he's left the room. Oh, there's so many things that Linda does in this episode that kill me. Where she's watching, I think, some kind of quiz show. Yeah, this is what's here, the capital yeah. of Paris? What's the capital of France? France. <laughs> yeah, so and good. It was um, also what's the name of David Beckham's wife? Oh yeah, Victoria, Victoria Station. Station. <laughs> Victoria Station. <laughs> yeah, she's she's great in this series. Like yeah. so. Dead man. Then we go back to Battle Lodge. Jill and Glenn are talking to the doctor, mm. and Jill says to him, "Is he out the coma? Well, yeah, obviously he's up and about. Oh, I know. I mean, we spent the afternoon together. I just <laughs> wondered." And Glenn's got the most like vacant expression on his face, and yeah, they're talking about how Glenn can't remember what happened that night. Yeah. So the doctor's wondering why he might have killed Terry, and Jill says, "Oh, you know, it's just jealousy." Uh, I don't know if you've noticed, Jeff, but. I do tend to elucidate quite a sexual response from men. Love that line. <laughs> and then it's, I rarely wear pants, Jeff. Is, <laughs> is that due to an infection? That just gives me a sense of freedom. I love it. <laughs> so quotable. I think particularly this first episode, there's so many good little one-liners. Yeah. I've heard people say, and then you realise, oh, they're all in that one mm. episode. <laughs> then this is where we go to the trees for the first time. Don and Kath are with uh, Jacques. Uh, who's mm -hmm. played by Ralph Brown. He's a new character. And Dawn is now all sort of like tragic, like blonde curls and a bandana. Mm. He's having a midlife crisis really, isn't he? Kath is talking about how she's got her, her legs back. She can walk now and she's quite excited. And Dawn just clearly doesn't care. Yeah, <laughs> He's like looking out the window at some girls who are running oh, yeah, around. in their bras. Yeah, for some, <laughs> as you do. Maybe that's what people do in Cornwall. Cornwall. Who knows? Yeah, I think because the first series, the setting was quite sort of like suburban, wasn't it? Mm. And now this second series, like it's not set abroad, obviously, but it kind of could be because there's all beaches mm. and stuff, isn't there? And they, they were really lucky with the weather because it's constantly sunny. It mm -hmm. looks really beautiful. Um, shots of like the cliffs all those like and beautiful stuff. like yeah panoramic shots of the cliffs and um it's all the american money coming into all it that american money <laughs> and just the things i loved about the first series was that it was so suburban and i think going back to all about how the plot devices were really tight i think you know you were always they just lived on that cul-de-sac with the two houses opposite each other and it's just i think that was reminiscent of loads of other sitcoms as well and that's why i think it was so successful whereas this going to cornwall at this like retreat where yeah. there's a therapist and it's all very new agey and people are a bit weird down there as it's kind of implied you know because in the end sue goes a bit weird as well mm. like changes her style and stuff and i think it's um really clever how it's like taking these people from suburbia and placing them here and how that affects them and changes them mm -hmm. yeah it's like yeah she clearly wanted to do something a bit different with series two didn't she like sometimes with like older sitcoms mm. like they'd have the sitcom and they'd do a film uh, yeah. where they'd take the characters on holiday or like something yeah and now with 99 it's kind of like almost as if she's done that but just not with a film with like 
yeah. a second series. She's taken the characters that we know and put them in this sort of quite weird environment and yeah. to see what happens. I kind of understand it. You know, she wanted to try something a bit different. I found the Battle Lodge scenes really depressing. <laughs> I think I, I don't really enjoy them. I think for as a first episode, because quite a lot takes place there, and obviously, like, I, I found that really quite dark. And obviously, like, she's like the queen of darkness, but that's something that you come to expect. But especially like the subplots with there uh, was it Jean who's kind of looking out for yeah, um, yeah. Glenn slash Glenn and then also like he keeps getting sodomized in the yeah. shower and then just it it all feels like really hopeless mm. um, and obviously he escapes at the end and he's kind of a fugitive but just uh, also the like married the wedding scene yeah, where he does that rap yeah like, that's what's coming next now they've got because they they do it very quickly, don't they? Yeah. He, propo- he proposes, and she she says she wants to get married. Uh, ASAP. ASAP. <laughs> yeah, she yeah. wants to get a clause in, and she's uh, she's dressed in this lovely uh, red ensemble. <laughs> um, oh, she like pulls the veil down. When yeah, he goes to kiss her. Yeah, he oh he's so gross. He like licks her finger so yeah. that he can get the ring on, and then yeah, he's trying to kiss her, and she's pulling the veil down so he can't actually touch her. Ugh. He's in like a weird sort of blue and white lacy. Like sailory kind of suit. Yeah, or like like a historical sort of yeah. costume. I love the costumes in this. Apparently, uh, Julia Davis has said that the look of Jill and everything mm. is all down to the costume designer who's called Claire Finley-Thompson. Oh, wow. She's clearly a genius because, yeah. yeah, the look of Jill, I think particularly in Series 2, mm. it's just, it's very distinctive, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, Glenn does a speech where he says, you know, oh, I'm a sinner. And she's like, killer. He's a killer. <laughs> Say what you did. It's so good. And then, yeah, he does this rap. Uh, it's so embarrassing. What was it? Jeans like on the. the yeah, playing a, a beat on like a Yamaha or a Casio keyboard. Oh, we've got a keyboard here. I could have played we've it. Heard, no, I, yeah. Yeah, I should have learned it. Yo, Jill Tyrrell. I think. <laughs> you naughty little naughty squirrel. squirrel. My heart goes boom. Something like Uncle Cyril is in this. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Remind me a bit of my Uncle Cyril. Oh, God. He makes my skin crawl, yeah, actually. Yeah, like, definitely. No offence to Mark Gattis, because obviously he plays it so well. And they have their first dance, and she is immediately like, you'd have to be dead for me to oh, get your money. Yeah, as Jean's playing like a demo on the keyboard, let's get this party started. Oh, uh, it Yeah, that whole thing I found really jarring to go straight from I guess they had to like reset it all I I thought the scenes in the caravan were really funny Mm -hmm. and I guess it is it's kind of setting you up to then go to Cornwall and everybody then decamps Mm -hmm. but um his first episodes go there was a like a completely different first episode wasn't there yeah like an alternative opening and Dune Mackigan is in it yeah it's host. yeah it's um Jill commits suicide or attempts to yeah if anyone hasn't seen this it's on the DVD as a special feature and it's like an alternative opening to series two Jill is appearing on this kind of chat show isn't she because she you know she was engaged to a killer 
it's that sort of like yeah. take a break sort of story mm. and she is talking about how she tried to drown herself and they play this video mm. with her and Linda where she like throws herself into a rock goodbye. pool. <laughs> goodbye. And it, it sort of gets referenced later on, even though oh, yes. it, it didn't it didn't stay in. I but, have tried myself. Though. Yeah. It kinda of, it works without the context anyway. Yeah. But once I'd seen that deleted scene, I was like, Oh, all right, there's an extra meaning to that. Yeah. But, yeah, there's this whole alternative opening, and and Nicholas Burns shows up playing Jill's like lover, who's called Paolo, oh, yeah, Paolo, Paolo or something. That's so weird. Yeah, um, I didn't get that. Yeah, well, they didn't use it. I am so Paolo. Just I'm not saying. sure what the plan would have been. I'm not sure what that would have necessarily like replaced if they because it's about 15 minutes long, isn't mm. it? I'm not sure what where, what they would have got rid of if they were because Linda's in that, that as well. Mm-hmm. I think maybe they would have just got rid of. The Better Lodge stuff, maybe. maybe. And then... Yeah, I think I've heard her say before that when they originally kind of got Mark Gatiss in to do the date scene from mm. the very first episode, that was the plan was just to do that. Like, oh, it's a bad blind date. Right. And then... And that was it. They enjoyed it so much. Yeah, they just kept bringing him yeah. back and thought, oh, maybe he can be a bigger character. It seemed a very improvised way to yeah. make a TV show. I'm really lucky that it paid off. And there's quite a lot of deleted scenes in for series two as well. I was watching them the other day and uh, for, yeah. for every episode there's quite... It's like 15 minutes. Yeah. And some of it, well, we'll come to it later on, but there's a deleted scene of Kath giving birth. Yeah. Um, Where they're on a... In a wheelbarrow, a wheelbarrow or something. Barrow. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, they have this wedding ceremony. And then I really like this scene now where Jill and Linda are in the car together. Oh, yeah. Uh, and she's just like, oh, you've lost a bit of weight, haven't you, Linda? And she's like, sorry, Jill. Yeah. <laughs> so they've got such an abusive relationship. And, <laughs> and Jill tells her that the reason why she's lost weight is because she slept with Terry and she's caught the cancer. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah, I forgot about that. I just, I love their dynamic. I think some of my favorite scenes in this series are when it's Jill and Linda. Yeah. Because I think in series one, they were mainly together just at the salon, yeah. weren't they? And there was other people around. Mm. Whereas in series two, I think there's... They're like one, a dynamic duo. Yeah, like Linda's sort Sidekick. Of, yeah, Linda is just roped into all these things because she kind of doesn't know any so, better, really just following Jill. Jill seems to have taken be- Beauty by Jill on the road as like a mobile beauty service. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> which I thought was really clever, giving Sue Botox, but using it to actually immobilise her so she could find Kath and Don's address. And then her face is like drooping, drooping as down. well, because she has sort of slipped when she was putting the needle in. Yeah. And she says, oh, you have to keep still because this is poison. This is poison. <laughs> Poor Sue. Oh. I swear, Sue, the nipples are bigger, I yeah. think, aren't they? The breastplate is bigger. And like, she's quite uh, slimmer, I think, as well. So yeah. that's even more exaggerated. She's constantly sticking them out, pointing them out. <laughs> like simpering. Simper- sort of. Yeah, she's a lot more sexy. Yeah. Um, Similar to what you were saying before, you could kind of justify it by saying, well, her, her husband's like died. So yeah. she's gone. She's gone a bit desperate. Yeah, I can't believe they got the actor who plays Gordon to just be in it as a cameo just in a coma yeah because he didn't they didn't really need him there it could have been he could have been in, enclosed in yeah, the yeah. thing couldn't they but he, he just lay there yeah they just before they go in there actually there's this little exchange where oh about the brains when they're talking about Terry and Linda's like oh you know he treated me special and oh, she's God. like well, well you know you're not Linda and she says um, all due respect Linda Terry would think a window was special okay very low IQ <laughs> round about 50 that puts him on a par with a donkey what's my Jill 
sausage dog. Oh, God. I love it. <laughs> so funny. Also, just the line, it's almost like poetry when Linda's like, only tied my giant hair in a bow. <laughs> love me down below. Lovely, like, like a little like, special moment that they had. Yeah. Aww. Aww. And they're talking about Terry. Uh, Jill says that he wasn't very big. And she says, I've had a lot oh, of God, I've, yeah. had, I've had a lot of experience, Linda. Whereas with all due respect, you lost your cherry to a dog. And then this whole it was lovely. <laughs> it was lovely. This whole um backstory that they've all slept with dogs and it's really normal. <laughs> that's yeah, that's the world they're living in, apparently. <laughs> yeah. Oh god. I love that scene as well because they're you they're they're so close to corpsing. You can see it in um Ruth Jones's eyes yeah, pretty much and, every time they're in the car it seems yeah. like that doesn't it and you can you know that they are because there's loads of outtakes where Ruth is just like crying with laughter and I think it's just the two of them just because they're, they're such good friends there was a special kind of nighty night event at um, oh, yeah. the BFI recently I couldn't go but I watched it's all online yeah yeah because <laughs> I noticed you know they've got all the cast and they're talking about favourite moments and mm. stuff like that and Ruth Jones kept bringing up oh it was so fun when we did that it was so fun when we did that mm. and pretty much every moment she was mentioning was from series 2 mm. so they, oh, okay. they do seem to have had a really good time filming yeah, well, there's, it there's a picture of them all it's like a Polaroid of the entire cast and that obviously you can imagine they'd film in the day and then probably just go to the pub and like Cornwall, Cornwall and yeah. like have days off at the day. beach I reckon they just because it was like on location they must have had such a fun time because they all had to be there obviously the first one was shot in Dorking so they could just go back to London or wherever they lived but in Cornwall you're kind of isolated a bit and I must have had this great like camaraderie between all the cast and crew I love watching people in the background in mm. in on on um, on location who were just like bewildered at like Angus Dayton in a thong like, yeah that scene in particular where he's jogging down yeah, the street and there's like a whole group of people sort of just off like slightly out of shot but you can still make them out and then just must be like that's that guy from Have I Got News <laughs> For You like in a thong uh, and back then I, I you probably and <clears> if he you, was if, disgraced wasn't he at that point yeah yeah and also like if you missed series one mm. I don't I don't know if you could necessarily put two and two together yeah yeah can I just point out that I actually really fancy Angus Dayton yeah I don't know there's something about him and just the way that is series one or two or both series or? series mm, like the blonde curls or not really? I'm not I'm uh, not particularly but just some of the things he says and like I don't know and just the way that there's like three women that fancy him no four including Hannah is not Hannah Natalie, Natalie. yeah that memorable yeah <laughs> she was in Hollyoaks wasn't she yeah I looked her up that seems to be the main thing That's she's it. done she fell out of a plane and died she oh. became a lesbian <laughs> I think her lover one of her jilted lovers cut the cords on her parachute and she it was a really dramatic episode the camera was like zooming in on the ground and like she <laughs> yeah I don't really watch soaps and whenever I hear about something that's happened I'm always like what like is a this comedy. what is this world Hollyoaks is particularly funny for that like they have these big they just want you to talk about it basically at work the next day and it's like did you see her fall out of the plane like, yeah I saw a clip going around a few weeks ago because someone big got like murdered oh god and that was just I watched that and I was like what is this is bizarre yeah <laughs> it's strange it's like 
yeah, it is almost like a comedy in a way, but unintentionally. Yeah. So they're in this bereavement group now, and Sue oh, yeah. Sue starts like tucking into an eclair, and then this is where we get um. How many of those have you had, Sue? Iconic. <laughs> the line. first one of series two. Yeah, amps up to four at some point. Yeah, there's, it comes up quite a bit. Yeah, with biscuits and everything. Yeah. Um, and then uh, I love this line now, but it's very dark when um sue says like oh you know it's a miracle jill that you didn't marry that monster and jill says i'll be honest sue there were days when i had a whiff that i was living with the yorkshire ripper oh god yeah. not to say there weren't some lovely times as well though i mean i'm sure mrs sutcliffe had some super days out with peter when he was having a break from raping oh god <laughs> that is such like a julia davis yeah. line isn't it like I've, serial killers get mentioned a few times in 99 like yeah would you call what he did build in yeah. Is, that, is that series Fred one? Fred West, yeah, oh, series yeah. one. Yeah. She, yeah, she says something about doctors and, yeah. men, and mentions Fred West. Shipman, Crippin. Fred West. Oh, well, he was a builder, Jill. Do you call what he did to those women building cats? So good. <laughs> she, another great line, she says to Sue, um, God, you look old, Sue. If you weren't talking, I might try and bury you. <laughs> oh. And this is where she, she suggests the beauty treatments. Uh, yes. The Botox for Sue and then poor um, Judy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> a, tid a tidy up down below. Oh, d God, the bit about where she's like, Oh, no one, I don't ever look down there. And then Jill's like, you must because even, what is it? Something She's about a, like a, a rapist a, or a, a mugger. A nosy mugger. A nosy mugger. Yeah. Oh, it's disgusting. <laughs> and Linda goes in with this huge sort of device and yeah. like goggles. And Jill says, we can try for the Dairy Lee, okay? But as is, we are looking at quite a hefty boomerang. <laughs> I don't even know what that means. But then Linda says at the end, like, she's got a patch like a stamp now. Like a stamp. <laughs> she's referring to the size of pubes left. Yeah. Pubes. I got loads. <laughs> but I'm not sure what a boomerang was. Oh, I know. And then, yeah, the Botox happens. And <sighs> while Sue is sitting down, this is where they kind of tear the house apart looking for Kath and Don's address. Yeah. And while this is all going on, Linda pulls out. Gordon's plug yeah. and Could, yeah. kills him. The first murder of the series. Yeah. We should do a little count. That's the first one. Yeah. And then the episode ends at the caravan park. Dennis is being really disgusting again. He's like chewing really loud and sort yeah. of moving his fork around on the plate. Mm. This is another like scene where I think they must have probably struggled to keep a straight face because mm. him and Jill are in that in each other's faces a lot and it's the whole um is that what you're suggesting? Suggesting <laughs> and then he takes her to see uh Stuart. Stuart. Uh, I, I see Stuart. <laughs> say something dirty, Jill. How's you Stuart? How's you Stuart? What did you say? Sweet nothing. <laughs> when I first watched this, I remember genuinely thinking, like, is, is she gonna like do it with the whole because mm. it is like you feel like something oh it's, it's a lot of sexual tension in that yeah, scene yeah and like the show itself is so mad you feel like that could happen yeah like no you do <laughs> I, I didn't know what it was leading up to because it was like he took her to see the horse mm. but you didn't really explain why was he gonna like get her to do something with the horse because he gets her to film the horse yeah and, and then like he, whisper things in his ear yeah and he says like part is fringe Jill yeah, part is fringe poke his ears like Naughty Stuart. <laughs> naughty Stuart. Tell him he's a good boy. Tell but him he's naughty. The thing that's really interesting in that scene is that Jill's face is confused and a bit worried and a bit scared. Yeah, she's like, for once, she's not really got the upper hand, yeah. is she? Like, someone's crazier than she is yeah. for a change. Which is funny because 
Dennis is an invisible character, unseen character in the first series. So you don't really know anything about him other than that he's super abusive to Linda. And then we don't see him again after this, yeah, do we? Yeah, no, because he's tranquilized. And then that beautiful scene where they just drive off in the caravan and all the electricity explodes. And yeah. Linda's just in the back, walloping <laughs> about. Um, are we on the run, Jill? That's the second episode, isn't it? Yeah, the, the second episode starts with them. Um, yeah, they're on the run, like Bonnie and Tyler. Like Bonnie and Tyler. <laughs> it so starts good. with the whole, the fish van. Oh my uh, God. Which, and five pounds. <laughs> that big kill. Five pounds and a bit of cod. I know. <laughs> you charge five pounds for a front bumming. <laughs> and a back bumming. And I love the detail where Linda's, she's, her face is like in the fish and she's got like these slippers on that are like roast chicken yeah and i think this i was quite i was quite young when i first saw this and yeah. i think this might have been the first time i heard africa by toto yeah oh really so, no yeah. you always associate it yeah it's awful because it's a good song yeah but yeah the, the soundtrack in this series is amazing yeah because in the first one it's all like early 2000s like Oh, I don't know, like all, Britney, All Saints, Britney, yeah. Louise. And then in this one, it goes really 80s. Yeah, more like power really retro. Yeah, yeah, I've actually... China in your hand to pow. Yeah, I've made a Spotify playlist oh, like incredible. just about a week ago. I'll, I'll put it in the episode notes for if anyone wants to listen to it. Gabrielle. Yeah, you can see the difference. Like mm. series one, there's a lot of pop from that era. Mm. Yeah, Gabrielle, Justin Timberlake, stuff yeah. like that. And then series there are and then there were a few older songs in series one, but then series two it's mostly these sort of big eighties songs. Yeah. They're talking about how they're on the run. Uh, Linda's talking about all oh, the fish was looking at me. Oh yeah. And she says, Oh you think everybody fancies you, don't you, Linda? Not enough for you to sleep with my dead husband. Oh, you God. have to have half the underwater community after you as well. The underwater community being fish. <laughs> and she's still got a, a trout there. In her. Yeah. And then Jill's like, I can see the tail. It's massive. It's and I I like how Linda originally she says it's not in there anymore. Yeah. Like can she not feel it? <laughs> yeah. Oh God. <laughs> That's bizarre. And this is where they're distracted because of the trout and this is where they hit Fluella Mugabe. Do, do you watch Game Face at all? Yeah, she plays the neighbour. Yeah, I only realised this yesterday. Really? I yeah. couldn't believe it. I googled it to see what else Fluella Mugabe had been in and yeah. I was like, oh my god, she's She's, she's in Game she's Face. She's amazing in Game Face. Yeah, she gets to speak in that. Yeah. She only gets like two words. Oh, yeah, I'm Fluella Umbagabi. <laughs> and she's got some frazzles, yeah. which are probably laced with cannabis. <laughs> of course, Jill is just, she's so racist. So racist. Uh, they pull into the trees. They've got her in the back of the van now. And she says to Linda, um, I just need you to get rid of my run over lady. Please. Oh, yeah, my run over lady. This the is my fallen lady. Yeah, the little callback to series one. There's a thing actually about Jill with the, the whole way that race is dealt with in this series because it's not really it's touched on in series one which is quite racist about the Asian doctor the, the nurse isn't it yeah that's disgusting but with this one it's like amped up a bit again well, there's more there's two black characters in this Arno and yeah. Fuella and she's think... horrible to Arno like she constantly cuts him up and she says things about she... like his country his and country, things like yeah. that and like but then she starts to find him attractive I think I'm not sure because she kind of oh I don't know I could go on about that but then with the Fluella thing it's really interesting because she then pretends to be Floella so then she kind of takes on all these she, basically if anyone ever says anything to her that's like 
bad about her character she's like accuses them of being racist and it's it's a really clever way of like portraying how white people are afraid to be seen as racist so they kind of act differently around people of color and she's sort of criticizing that and i think that's really clever and and quite subtly done in a way Mm -hmm. um like when she's late for the interview at trees and like oh because i'm black must i be like the whole the whole of my community or whatever she says but i just i remember thinking at the time like oh my god i can't believe that she's she's doing it i'm not sure now in 2019 that would be broadcastable but um but i mean i think it would have been well the bbc because i can't remember what year little britain was now but in little britain people were literally blacked up yeah she doesn't to be fair you know she could have done that (laughs) because at the time that probably wouldn't have been that that would have been an option but she didn't we've had some dreadful summers that's what she says (laughs) yeah and she's oh i've I've just been on holiday there yeah (laughs) yeah this is she applies for this job at the therapy center doesn't she and i love how um Miranda Hart, yeah, um, pre-fame Miranda Hart. She's, she's crying constantly. Yeah, I, it's so bleak, but it's like every time you see her, she's just sobbing. Weeping, yeah, and she gets to say the uh, so your Fluella Umbagabe. So your Fluella Umbagabe. <laughs> <laughs> she has her interview with Jacques, and he's being all like, "Would you be prepared to work with angels?" Oh God! And she says, "Would they take part of my fee?" <laughs> well, they t- well, I mean, yeah. Uh, the whole that whole thing about angels is just so spot on because like critiquing people that do believe in like yeah I do have a few key angels in the bulk <laughs> of my work who I call on who yeah. I call for and a bit of shopping a few cherubims and seraphims like that whole thing kills me um, all the scenes with Linda and Jill in the therapy center are really good because they kind of call back to the when they're in the salon. Yeah. Linda gets asked here um, what, what do you think you can bring to the trees as a therapist sandwiches sandwiches <laughs> and Lin- oh and I've been abused yeah and Jill's like well you know she is asking for it oh yeah the provoking some people provoke just by being there so good <laughs> this is also the, the episode with the uh, the cafe scene between Jill and Kath yeah I love this like it was, the way Jill pops up in Kath's car is kind of almost like a horror film there's like an orchestra stab or yeah something. and she's got this demonic look on her Hi, face Hi, Kath. How did um, she get in that car? Who knows? Bro- broken. <laughs> then when they're in the cafe, she's, she's she actually apologises to Kath. Yeah, quite genuinely. Kath, yeah, Kath actually looks quite sort of touched, mm. but then she's expecting an apology in return from Kath, which yeah. obviously, what would she be apologising for? She gives her like some prezies when she just gives her like the frazzles. It's the stuff that they took from yeah. Fluella and Bugabe. Yeah, the makeup for, for black skin. Yeah. And she's like, oh, we're going to know you have been by the sea Kath I thought maybe you'd be a bit leathery (laughs) and this is where obviously Kath is like how on earth did you find me and she says a message from him upstairs via Sue (laughs) and Kath's not very happy and Jill says well I never trusted Sue Kath not with nipples that size God. (laughs) she asks Kath to like punch her as well yeah just a few little slaps (laughs) and she she does doesn't she she does give her a A little one a slap yeah and then everyone looks and And she's like monster 
<laughs> and Jill says as well, like, oh, you know, what I did to you, I should have been electrocuted. And Kath's like, no, 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 no. And she says, I'm a born again Christian, Kath. If I wasn't, I would have killed myself as an I'm sorry, Kathy present. <laughs> <laughs> that whole bit where she starts talking in tongues. Yeah. That's weird. She's like, I won't be long. <laughs> like, what, where, what the hell was going through her mind? It's just, it's so funny. There's so many moments in it where I'm just, I remember watching it for the first time and being like, oh God, where, where is this going? But actually when I, when I've watched it back and rewatched it, it, that it's so amazing. Yeah. If you're like on board with it, you're, you just kind of, you just have to be enjoy it. And this scene in particular is so similar to the, the, the scene in, is it, it's not Mumbles is this cafe, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. What was is Forks is the one in series one where they go and yeah yeah and like she basically offers to pay for everything but then she sees the bill so she's mm-hmm. like actually I'll just get the coffee but you're taking the piss with the muffin and yeah and then like asks yeah. her to take the muffin back and it's like I think it's trying to remind you of what it was like in the first series I guess but then also like advancing it forward but there are loads of these scenes that are really similar yeah I think yeah now that you mention it this one in series two is like a a more extreme version isn't it yeah uh, you know yeah she's speaking in tongues yeah (laughs) she gets out like a little pink calculator to do the bill uh, and the waitress comes over and she says she says oh you know this this muffin was awful Uh, someone's wiped their bottom on it yeah (laughs) yeah that is quite I can't imagine her saying those things in, in series one. one. It's kind of amping it up a bit. She's like more insufferable. And, yeah. And so it's more you want Cass to not be okay with this. Yeah. But Cass hasn't really changed that much. She's still just kind of accepting it. Yeah. And she, she does kind of stand up for herself a little bit more than in series one because she is sort of like, why are you here, Jill? And mm. when she leaves the cafe, she's kind of like... I can't have you in my life. Yeah. So she is standing up for herself a little bit. Mm. But... Not as much as I think you would do, given how annoying Jill is. Yeah. She's got a job at the centre now, and then she uses that to find Don's notes. Yeah, finds um, the address. Yeah, because he's not living in the house with Kath. He's kind of living in some sort of shack by the beach where yeah. we see him like doing some really bad surfing. Yeah. Clear midlife crisis. Literally. Uh, she like races over to the beach to find him and we hear Lavender by Marillion again, like their, their song their from song. series one. And he's sort of running in slow-mo like Baywatch or something and mm. he starts waving and she's like, thinks that he's waving to her, but it turns out he's waving at yeah, the waitress who we've already met, mm. who is the most... 2005 fashion yeah jeans low slung yeah really low and like these big purple clips in her hair and like a chunky belt chunky belt I think I owned all of these clothes like I used to heavily layered hair as well yeah like highlights highlights yeah the massive clips in the hair I used to have loads of those really yeah like in school I don't it's like a statement piece like a big purple clip in your hair for no reason (laughs) bizarre and then I think in the next episode she's wearing a really low-waisted skirt. skirt like a gypsy skirt yeah like if someone showed me that person and said what year is this i think you could you could it's guess a time capsule mm. so episode three it's where it starts off with don going for a jog in his thong mm. going through the Iconic. streets yeah i can't see you jill <laughs> what you've gone blind and she's like spying on him through binoculars as well isn't she yeah wearing this awful like red 
sort of like fishnet tights material but mm. all over her body mm. and like a little white bikini underneath mm. she like goes up to jo- Don and this is the point where she says um, I drowned myself yeah which is fine anyway but like yeah when you've seen this alternative opening you're like oh right yeah that's a reference to yeah. something in particular <laughs> uh, she has her first day at work and again she's wearing like this sort of Anne Summers outfit where it's like a little white dress oh, and stocking. I'm obsessed with so this this whole episode, like I said earlier, this is my favourite ninety nine episode of all time because the the Karen Paul Karen yep. like that whole thing, like the way that Jill's got her legs crossed and she's like you like a useless old lump, and the way she then just goes. Like that. Obviously, <laughs> no one can see that because we're doing a podcast. Yeah, like a head movement. Like a head like, movement, yeah. but like it's really like in disingenuous. She doesn't. It's it's so bizarre. Like she she loves being cruel to people, winding them up, finding their flaws, reminding them about them, but doing it like but them dressing it up in not like this really kind of sickly affectionate way and the way that mm-hmm. she's wearing this like sexy nurse outfit and again she's, there's a deleted scene where Linda's with her and they're giving Karen presents mm-hmm. and it's this used tights I think and I just she's so cruel the way she says that you know you've got to close your windows and close them tight in case there's a young boy that goes past and, <laughs> and he's, he's going to fall off his bicycle and, and then you've got murder on your hands <laughs> Yeah, and that's just, great. Karen is played by the boss at Sally Forever. Yeah, uh, Jane Stannis. Who's Welsh, I didn't realise. Yeah, and she's in Hunderby as well. Yes. Yeah. Uh, she's like a quite a long-term friend of uh, Julia Davis. I think her, uh, Julia and Ruth Jones yeah. and Rob Brydon used to be in like a kind of comedy group together uh, before everything because she does pop up briefly in Human Remains as well. She yeah. runs that wedding dress shop. Yeah, oh, Oh, God, I love that scene so much. Like, <laughs> no, yeah. not the, oh, well, the, the long dress and this, like, veil. <laughs> yeah, was it lo- long hat over the long face? Long hat, long what, hat. What a veil. No, long hat. <laughs> this is what this is all on the catwalk. So, and, oh, God, we could go on about that for hours. Yeah, but. she's great. And I think she's another person who, when I saw these programmes over the years, mm. I didn't originally realise that was all one woman. No, I didn't either. I didn't, and it's the same with the woman that plays Bluebeard. Yeah. Who, who is the nun in series one? Yeah, she's the psycho- psychologist. Well, yeah, in, yeah um, I love her. The way she's acts in in this episode, where she's like, "You've got a battered woman workshop <laughs> at four pm." Flow. The way they're calling her Flow yeah. already, like a day into work, she has settled in. She's got everyone to call her Flow. The line where she's like, "If if she touches me up in the rubber dub again, I will knock her block off." Because <laughs> that's the deleted scene where they are all rubbing each other. Oh right, yeah. Um, as like an introduction, and that's again referenced in the episode, but it's taken out, mm-hmm. which I love. And then they go to the beach and they have this like party. Yeah, and, yeah. And Karen's there like off her face on drugs or something. Yeah, and like Miranda Hart is sitting there crying yeah. <laughs> like, throughout the whole party. Um, Bluebeard's a lesbian. Yeah, and like in the run up to that, Jill has been trying to befriend Natalie. And this is where she brings, uh, she says like, oh, do you know what? You could be a model. Because... I work for a top model agency called Lookers. Lookers. And I could take you to the top. <laughs> Do you want to tell your, your little oh, God, story yeah. about so this now? I um, once, I, when I um, first started releasing music, uh, my local radio station is BBC WM and they have a program called 
BBC Introducing, and I submitted my song, and I, amazingly, they played it. Um, but there wasn't anything about me on the internet at this point because it was my first song. So their researcher went onto my Twitter, and my bio on Twitter was I work for a top London model agency called Lookers, and their region, their researcher obviously thought that was the truth. He's a singer-songwriter originally from Wolverhampton, now living in London. And what I find really interesting is he works for a model agency called Lookers. <laughs> Can you believe that? <laughs> so that if that doesn't sum up my obsession with Nighty Night and how it has just followed me around for like my life, that someone actually thought I genuinely worked for a top London model agency called Lookers. I wonder how many people were listening at the and time and, that, and, and knew got, it. Yeah, like knew the reference. Oh my god! Imagine that would have been amazing. <laughs> Yeah, that's amazing. In this episode, there's a few little short sort of subplots like Linda doing the massage and... The roll-on, roll-off massage. Yeah, and he's she clearly just kills him and then she's later on she's just... Death count three. Yeah, standing in the corner looking at him and she's eating a banana. Eating a banana. <laughs> Want some nana, Mr. Tom? Yeah. Who's who's died so far? Gordon. Gordon. This guy. Floella's Mr. been Tom. Floella's been hit by the car, but she's kind of still alive at this point, isn't she? Yeah. So two, I think, at the moment. What? No, Dennis is just tranquilized. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. No, that's it. Yeah, and then also Jill pays like a really brief visit to Glenn. Um, yeah. Tries to push him off a balcony, uh, and then she suggests some role play. Yeah. And like smashes a bottle over his head. Oh yeah. She's... Morning, Mister Bell. <laughs> yeah. And he's. I love how they're trying to this this role play where he's a teacher and he's, he's genuinely like trying to like teach some sort of yeah, job. He takes it really seriously. He doesn't understand Oxbow Lakes, <laughs> and she just gets really pissed off with him and is like, "No, Glenn." I'm a naughty schoolgirl and I've been really naughty and then tries to kill him again yeah and then there's also a, like a few seconds in this episode where Kath's in therapy and she's like pretending to be a clown oh, for, God. for some sort of exercise and yeah. Jack is sitting on the floor and he's like popping out of his yeah. pants yeah just a just about, a ball like a 10 second scene and it's like oh okay yeah um, also the way that I think it might have been in the previous episode but he's aware of who Jill Tyrion is because Kath has told him obviously he's she's the reason for Don's breakdown they're moving away from their old home so he knows who Jill Tyrrell is he even puts her name on a pillow and gets mm -hmm. Kath to punch her but then when Jill turns up at trees as Floella Umbagabe Kath then sees her in the trees and it's like that's Jill and he's like no this is Flo <laughs> and like just that is also another moment where you're like this has gone off piece. This wouldn't really happen. Yeah, because I wonder what he's thinking. Yeah. Like, does he actually... This is chill. Because like, she does kind of say, Fluella's my religious name. Yeah, my, yeah. Oh, yeah. My, yeah. It's unusual. You've mentioned already this episode culminates in this beach party. Where another great look from Jill where she's got this crimped hair. Yeah. That's very like early 2000s as is well, isn't it? she sunglasses? I, I think they might be on her point, head and yeah. she's got this sort of red, like sort of ribbed outfit going on yeah she's trying to impress don and sort of falling all over these like teenagers going oh all these young boys flapping around my honey pots oh god uh, is this is this is kind of the last episode where you see kath walking unaided i think 
because after this she she gets pregnant yeah, but yeah. as the series progresses she gets more and more the MS becomes more and so at the beginning she's completely fine and she can walk but by now she's been away from Jill for a she's while she's been away from Jill so they're like really interrelated and now Jill's back in her life I think she might walk with a stick at one point in this episode but it's really dark really horrible and then Jill is like trying to use the wheelchair later as well isn't she when she's pregnant yeah oh god (laughs) this is yeah tragic in this episode Kath is trying to sort of flirt with Jacques but he's paying all of his attention to these younger girls he says to her um, I'm potent and if I stay with somebody for too long that gets diluted so I tend to split split. just the most awful he's horrible isn't he because you might Kath's thought process is probably like oh this guy's like a therapist He's, pro- he's you know a nice guy and he plays saxophone and mm. she play- she was a ballet dancer so I feel like she really is infatuated with this creative kind of um, free spirit who's the opposite to Dawn and mm-hmm. he, doesn't he say like I'm you know about being open and she and he's like is Dawn open mm-hmm. and she's like no very secretive <laughs> like that, yeah. that's so sad because she still really wants to try and make everything work with Dawn but I think at this point they have an open relationship they're allowed to sleep with other people yeah because she knows about the girlfriend yeah. and everything and she's sort of quite openly going after Jacques but yeah even though she's thinking oh this guy's different yeah he's, he's not he's yeah. just as bad as Dawn yeah he's awful he's only interested in the younger women just like um yeah just like Dawn is and when really. she does approach him about wanting you know maybe to go to on a date with him he fobs her off and then she follows him down to the beach and she says don't walk over me no, don't walk your dog muck all over my face which is a line that he fed her and then he's like I'm feeling some anger about this and he gets really angry doesn't he mm. and like even tells her to like just leave her and it's really horrible that scene um, and then when she she tries to follow them into the takes sea takes all the clothes off that is just such a sad oh, sight is. and they, they've already gone and yeah. like uh, presumably like having a, 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 I was awesome. gonna say, yeah I was going to say three so yeah no, it's, it's an orgy at this point and she's just sort of she's left it too late it's so sad there's one bit in this as well where it all the it's night time in the, the party and I think there's like a, an eclair and there's just one scene of Linda just licking the cream off the eclair <laughs> yeah, yeah like it's just so weirdly sexual and obviously Karen's in the back like off her face there's like Bluebeard being a lesbian and Jill's being really homophobic like yeah but then when as she... brass yeah and then, but when, then she... when she thinks she can use that to get Dawn yeah. she's then happy to be all over the it's lesbians so like oh look at me Dawn yeah just she'll just do anything to impress Literally. the man that she wants yeah it's kind of getting later at the party Dawn is like singing karaoke uh, Nelly Furtado yeah yeah, very of the time again and this is where Jill shows Natalie these uh, the pictures of her nose yeah and it's yeah it is stretching the sort of believability because you wouldn't look at because she looks at it and genuinely believes that's what her nose looks looks like. like yeah and, and there's a deleted scene you have to talk about, which is... Where you see the outcome of the surgery yeah. that Jill then does on her. That's... Oh, God. It's so... The the bit with... She gets the hammer out. And the blood squirts. The noise, like... it's You can hear, like, the bone breaking. Yeah. That, that is one point where... Like, I'm not that squeamish with the kind of, you know, all the sexual stuff in yeah. this. But that's something I was really like, oh, no. Yeah. 
Yeah, me too. I, yeah, because it's quite... The way that the blood squirts is actually quite slow, so it looks quite realistic. Mm-hmm. I can't remember what she says, but there's like a line where she's like flicking through a, like um, a plastic surgery handbook or something, because she's like, we'll just... We'll start now, and I'm sure it'll be... We'll just make it up as we go along. But in that deleted scene, I, they must be improvising, because the girl that plays Natalie is really good at it, because Jill, Jill says about her teeth, like, you can... Um, eat steaks and she, like does a list of food but then the girl who plays Natalie is like but I'm a vegetarian and he's clearly improvising because she's laughing mm-hmm. and then they just go off on this sweet corn carrot like it's just so funny I could watch that deleted scene just on repeat and she looks kind of like like Nanny McPhee yes. doesn't she like the big teeth and big nose, nose and stuff but yeah I wonder why they chose they must have thought it was funnier to not show that outcome it, but it's quite unusual because after this point we don't see I think you Na- assume she's dead yeah that's what I assumed mm. I don't know if that's what they decided we're meant to assume like are we meant to assume that Jill has killed her because they got rid of that deleted scene I think so because yeah I'm only knowing that she's alive because I've seen the deleted scene I guess so we can potentially count that as another murder I think so (laughs) Uh, what are we on now is that three well the end of yeah the end of the episode is Kath like sleeping with Dawn. Yeah, they he's kind of sick all over his mouth yeah, again. Yeah, they kind of reconnect. Reconnect because he he's wandering around and he can't find. He, that's what Natalie. it is. Yeah, so he can't find Natalie. He goes up to Linda and says, "Have you seen Natalie?" And she goes, "Is she, she Kath? Kath?" Yeah, that's my favorite. I love it. <laughs> Bless her. And then um, they reconnect. They're both drunk, and then obviously conceive that evening. Thank you for listening to part one of this episode about Nighty Night Series 2. In part two, I'll be talking to Tom about the rest of the series. You can find us on Twitter at Julia Davis QOTD and you can find me at It's Sophie Davis. This podcast was edited by Alex Blondek with original music by Martin Ford and Matt Bond.